Hello, Mary. Hi, Jonathan. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I am very happy to be here today. We just before we started, Jonathan and I were about to start. Like, I asked Jonathan to do a little bit of an arrival, which Jonathan is such a kind and generous person to just be like, oh, sure, I'll just lead you through a meditation because you asked for it. <laughs> and I honestly don't even feel like I can talk right now. I, I already feel so relaxed, like I just want to go lay down. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's a great space to be making a podcast, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I can't even put words to this right now. But um, but it, it felt so special and it made me mm. think about how um, how we're in this shared space all the time, but the act of doing a meditation, the act of showing up to record a podcast, and the act of just signing on Zoom with a friend is like, I'm here with you. Mm -hmm. And to then draw that out in a way that feels so like presenced and intentional, mm. it's so... um it's so moving because earlier I was thinking how when we show up in these spaces, whether in a reading or a course, it's like when it's something because you're doing it from a place of pleasure, really, it's mm -hmm. like I'm here to give my energy and receive energy, but it feels like it's always here. We just know this time that we're in this exchange because totally. we set the parameter. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually reminding me of something that came up in my training with one of my uh energy healing teachers, Deborah Cremens, where it was kind of this awareness of, oh, maybe we should all just walk around like this, you know? Like how would the world change if we just walk around as if we're in a reading and mm. You know, we are able to see things, but we're also looking at it from a lens of like true humanity and compassion, you know, and mm -hmm. not really from a space of like, I have to defend myself or I have to protect myself, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like trusting that openness. Yeah. Because we often, I often, like when I'm just out in the world and you're like, I want to get these things done. Even mm -hmm. if I'm just like, my goal is to walk to my friend's house. I still like have that intention and yeah. like, don't distract <laughs> me. Our Mars and Capricorn is like, I've got places to go, you yeah, know? Exactly. And, and it's like, but then I think about those times that I very much am in that like Jupiter uh, mm -hmm. way of going on a walk where you're like, wow, what's that over there? <laughs> you yeah. know, and like you probably still get to your friend's house in the general time frame, mm. but you're open to receive all of this beauty along the way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really interesting to realize too, I mean, you and I both have Mars and Capricorn natally. And also, I guess, I suppose our composite chart would have Mars and Capricorn mm -hmm. too. And I think it's such an interesting placement. I've been thinking a lot about it and a lot about how it's both such a gift because, you know, otherwise my Pisces son would just never be able to get anything done in life. <laughs> and also at the same time, you know, it's a very sharp plate. And sometimes like I need to be really aware and conscious around when to uh, use that 
and how and you know like when it's appropriate to be using that because sometimes it can really be turned as a weapon you know mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is reminding me, which is funny, this is a perfect tie-in because I was talking to our friend Rebecca the other day about mm -hmm. how, um, you know, the tool that you have. It's like if I have a butter knife, but I'm trying to cut a squash, it's not going to go well, totally. you know, or if I want to like cut a piece of butter for my toast, but all I have is a butcher knife, mm -hmm. you know, it's like using the tools <laughs> that you have in the moment that you need them. It's like, yeah, that might help if you've got a ham hock or something but maybe not yeah. always <laughs> <laughs> totally totally yeah mm -hmm. oh we love rebecca and <sighs> we love our reading with rebecca in the last mm -hmm. episode that was so good <laughs> it was such a like i just keep thinking about how lucky are we to have friends who are willing to do something like that with us mm-hmm mm -hmm. And it makes me think about how just now, as I just said, that I was like, can we just do an arrival? And you were like, oh, uh, sure. Yeah. And <laughs> that like, that's the kind of um, presenting mm. that we're like able to have in mm -hmm. these friendships that mm. like, I don't know if if we were IRL, would I yeah. be like, lead me through a meditation? I'd be like talking mm. about whatever you know it's mm -hmm. not often you can just demand that yeah exactly mary and i think also it's interesting to be thinking about like but why not you know mm -hmm. because i do think that a lot of it comes from being really self-conscious and that there's mm -hmm. also kind of this normative way that we move through the world right and um it's not easy i think to kind of break out of that matrix but you know, this has been making me think a lot about Uranus and Neptune and the difference between Uranus and Neptune. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's this Uranian way of making change through like almost like this Promethean struggle that like it has to be hard, you know, things mm -hmm. have to like fall apart. And I really appreciate people who have that energy. And, you know, maybe this is like my Uranus and Neptune conjunction and also me just being a Pisces sun like it never resonates with me I feel like I can tap into that energy very temporarily but mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like a sustainable energy for me to hold and I'm not saying that that's the case that has to be the case for anyone else but you know then like the Neptunian way of kind of dissolving and just kind of I don't know there's something very trickstery about it too I think that is yeah I think that's interesting to be thinking about yeah. And maybe it's also, <clears throat> even though you and I both would have it in Capricorn, mm. it's that feeling of like, just because I could do that doesn't mean I have to do it in that particular way. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm wondering about the, uh, with Pisces, so... Do you feel like, well, now we're in this Saturn and Pisces. Do you want to say anything about that? <laughs> yeah. So I guess we're recording this uh, March 8th and Saturn moved into Pisces yesterday. I don't know. How was your experience with it, Mary? You know, I feel like that 29th degree of Aquarius, mm. there was a lot of sense being made of what I've been working through in the last uh. few years. Yeah. Like it just kind of felt like I would have these waves of 
I just need to like get these bullet points down of like, these are the things that have been in the back of my mind Mm. over, you know, like those things that when you hear a certain term, it resonates in a way that you're like, oh, that's the word. Like that's been the tip of the tongue thing. Yeah. And I just felt the urge to like, I've been in this situation a few different times in the last couple of weeks where people have asked me a question that sort of pushed me to think about what is my own story like Mm. what am I working with now and who am I now Mm. and it feels so nice to like be in the after times of Saturn in the house of um my my 10th house but I like to think of it as okay so it's set this up in a way so now Pluto coming into my 10th house well at least I've got the structure to maybe support me (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's quite a doozy to be thinking about like these houses where saturn are moving away from and then pluto is entering into Mm -hmm. with all the astrology of march 2023 yeah for sure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah what about you yesterday was hard i think um to me, well, Pisces rules my seventh house, and mm. I really felt for a while now, but I think specifically as Saturn was really entering Pisces, the kind of porousness that I um, am naturally, you know, is, is my natural tendency, right, to be quite porous in a lot of these like relationships and specifically in one to one relationships. And I think it's both a superpower and it's also. Uh, something that needs to, I don't know, I almost feel guilty saying that it's something to, that needs to be managed, but I do think it is something that, that requires mm-hmm. a little bit of skillful, skillfulness, I think, to, to navigate because um, it's really easy for me to kind of spread myself out into like other people's fields and feeling how other people are feeling and... Um, yeah, to kind of remember to bring myself back into my own body and my mm-hmm. own system. And to remember that that's actually an act of care, that that's not like abandonment of other mm. people, but that when I merge with other people, I actually can't really do anything. I can't do anything to help people out, actually. I can't really serve as, not that I have to, but like when I want to serve as a mirror to help reflect to people their experiences or what they're moving through, it's completely impossible for me to do that when I'm completely merged with the person, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes me think about a conversation you and I were having the other day where we something came up and you basically were just like, oh, I'm realizing like, but that's not how I feel about that. And, mm-hmm. you know, just those situations where you're like, oh yeah like don't worry I wasn't saying that's how you have to feel about it but that's Mm -hmm. how I feel about it and it's all this like very obvious but at the same time it does need to be voiced you know like especially Mm -hmm. from somebody like you who's so able to tap into that space of what other people are experiencing and then remembering like oh this isn't mine actually I can go into what that person is feeling Mm -hmm. and remember this isn't actually my experience. I'm just witnessing that from yeah. that like moment. Yeah. Yeah. I really love this conversation, Mary. I actually have been reading. I hope it's okay that I'm saying this, but I've been reading the advanced copy of Natasha Lovinger's uh, Healing the Inner Child because I'm interviewing her tomorrow. 
in advance of her book coming out, and um, it's just kind of I don't know. It made me think a lot about you know what even is the inner child, you know? And I really mm-hmm. like how she's describing it in the book, where she's talking about the inner child as you know th- those moments, right? Of like when you can't see any other perspectives in the world. Or you're so like stuck in your own particular lens, and it almost mm. feels like, or or this is specifically the wounded inner child, right? You know that you're in your wounded inner child when you can't see anything else but your perspective, you know. Mm. And like the world seems small, and it almost seems like you have to like, you're either like crushed and you're crying inside, or you have to like protect yourself, you know. And I think it's so interesting because for a lot of people, like myself included, who Has a lot of, you know, like I grew up with caretakers who are really fabulous in so many different ways, and also, you know, maybe are not always aware of the energy that they're bringing into situations and like how they impact um, their children or like <laughs> the people that they care for on an energetic mm-hmm. level, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not their fault; like they didn't really mm-hmm. have the tools. But I think for me, my inner child feels like in order for me to be safe, I have to understand what is going on with my caretakers, and then I have to solve it for them. Mm-hmm. You know, because they mm-hmm. are not often they're also having an inner child activation, and they're not even aware of it, right? So mm-hmm. then there's this feeling of like, I don't know, when you're like in a child's body and you feel like you can't really like separate, or you don't have these social tools to be able to ask, like, hey. I don't really think. Do, do you want to talk more about that? What's going on there? You know, you seem a little activated, mother. <laughs> you seem a little activated, well, father. And, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> and that it's also like, wait a minute, I shouldn't be. However curious I am about like gauging the situation and like mm-hmm. you know maybe it's my Scorpio seventh that's always like ooh but I really want to know what's going on under that yeah <laughs> but it's like we're the kid we're not supposed to be the therapist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like yeah. I'm not supposed to be doing that even though it's like a gift that I have and mm-hmm. even though like you and I both have like a similar uh you know, ability to be with somebody and really like want to know where you're coming from and like help them understand. It's also like, wait, but when I'm attending to that person's inner child, but I am mm. a child, mm. or now us going back to that, it's like, oh, so my inner child is time traveling in some way. <laughs> no, totally. I mean, I have a lot of really complex feelings about that, and then I think, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say my piece here, and then I think we should kind of. Recenter maybe listeners to like why we're even here because I feel like yeah, you know yeah. it's been like 15 minutes where we just kind of free willing which is probably really fun too but um, I have a lot of really complex feelings about that because I do feel that at least this is how I where I am in my relationship with my parents because yes I am their child and also I want to. I want to really start seeing our relationship as like fellow humans who are just walking each other home, you know. And mm-hmm. there are going, mm-hmm. go, there are going to be a lot of limitations around that, right? And you know, I think that part of what sometimes makes it very challenging to be an adult child is that you are constantly. I, I don't think there are any other relationships where the inner child activation is as intense as it is with our parents. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like with our actual mm-hmm. parents. And at the same time, I also, my Mars and Capricorn kind of sees that as like the most advanced level. And I'm like, give it to me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Like if I can, if I can work through it with my parents, like, boy, um, can I take over the world, you know? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) World domination is always there with Mars and Capricorn. (laughs) But, (laughs) um, but yeah, I, I suppose it's, it's interesting because my complex feelings have to do with like, yes, I think there is that part of myself that is always feeling like, but you know, I am I am the child. Like I'm not supposed to be doing this. And also now I'm no longer the child. You know? So mm-hmm. what am I gonna do mm-hmm. now? And it's interesting because I think these conversations can really bring up a lot of shame or like there's a lot of energetics of shame of like, why can't you heal your inner child? But I really don't mean it from that place. I mean it from a place of expansiveness of like, oh, there's so much more that you can access when you acknowledge the inner child, but you also are able to access this wider perspective, you know, mm-hmm. that's more than like the limited perspective of the inner child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even the approach, just being in that ontology of like, mm-hmm. oh, well, anything that has to do with my inner child must mean that it's something to fix or something mm-hmm. that I even have to do. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the time for me, And I wonder if this is an experience for other people, probably, where it's like, really, that inner child just needs to be like, oh, I see you. Like, I see what's going on with you. Yeah. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you're Mm -hmm. not dealing with this problem on your own. It's not like a, a thing that you have to do in isolation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think it goes back to unmet needs, actually, which yeah. I know, you know, yeah, one yeah, of yeah. our teachers, Leah Garza, is always talking about. Um, because I think a lot of the times when we're dealing with some sort of inner child activation, what the inner child needs at that moment is just to be seen and heard and like cared for, you know, mm-hmm. and to not even worry so much about like, how are we going to solve the situation? Yeah. yeah. And it just makes me think about the moon whatever your invitation is in your chart Mm. how can you care for and resource that part of yourself yeah totally yeah um so do we want to talk about how we came into being mid-conversation about all of this (laughs) (laughs) which by the way i love that you're bringing that up mary because i don't think we ever fully explained it but we don't really call our podcast the podcast we call it a mid-conversation right is that right (laughs) yeah (laughs) because you know our conversations always end up being i I feel like we're only recording in the middle of other conversations that we've been Mm -hmm. having it's oh yes it's like as soon as we started talking it's just Mm -hmm. been an ongoing thing since then exactly (laughs) (laughs) exactly um yeah why don't you introduce the the mid-conversation for today well so i think initially to go back to bringing up our friend rebecca Um, We were thinking about what is it for us? Why do we show up to readings? What does it mean to receive Mm. a reading, give Mm -hmm. a reading? What's the draw? And we also didn't want it to turn into some stiff how to, uh, this is what you should do. 10 easy steps to get the most out of your reading. (laughs) (laughs) That's not, that's not our style. Yeah. Um, And so I think it just getting to 
like mull over that and see where our thoughts kind of wandered it it made me think about how for recently just thinking about the invocation for the akashic records or Mm. or even a prayer it's like what does it mean to show up in the present moment like you were saying at the beginning of this like what if we just all walked around like this and we always mm-hmm. felt this good it's like yeah. what if we engaged with a, another person in the way that i feel you and i tend to engage with each other mm-hmm. that we're like you know what this requires a zoom call this is not for texting this is not for yeah. voice mapping. like right. you, you know what i really want to be present for you so how can i do that and show up in a way that's like giving both of us the best chance at being heard and seen. Mm. Mm. Wow. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, from that share, Mary, something that I'm feeling into is that, you know, even just thinking about defining what what a reading space is, right? And And not saying that the definition has to stay in stone and doesn't mean that my definition has to match with any other person's definition. But I think mm-hmm. something I'm hearing from you is that, one of the benefits of um, creating a reading space is that you are showing up with the commitment of really being with the person and seeing the person, you know, using using our, our energetic or psychic or magical tools, right, to really witness and see another person both through the lens or with the intention of being with them and their suffering and if they are suffering if they're even suffering sometimes you come to a reading and i'm like i'm not even suffering i don't know why we're here (laughs) (laughs) i'm having a great time my life is fabulous um but like being with the person no matter where they're at and their humanity and also holding this possibility right for like um yeah for expansiveness whatever that word means to you um Yeah, what what about you, Mary? What's coming up for you around defining what a reading space is or feels like? Mm, I love what you just said about that expansiveness because I think showing up from an across another person in this mm-hmm. way, it's like I talk to somebody when I, you know, if I'm dealing with something, maybe it's not suffering, maybe it's just something I'm trying to make sense of. Mm-hmm. Um But it's like, I want to bring somebody in because maybe they have a perspective that I can't see because Mm. I can only see it from my particular vantage point. But calling in somebody else is like, hey, let's get another set of eyes on this. (laughs) You know, it's like I think about how um, in psychology, I can't remember what this was around, but I think just somewhere in social psychology of like when all of these people might witness an event, how everybody's going to have like their own perspective, their Mm. own narrative of what happened, even Mm. though it should be objective. It should be very clear. The car came here. They hit the other person there, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, you're going to say somebody who's like, oh, I saw it barreling from a thousand miles away. And then somebody's Mm. like, it came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always going to be that. And so when you, when you have this thought to, invite somebody in you're you're like can you look at this like do you see it's like i imagine with your number things that you do in your other life where it's like (laughs) do these numbers like does this add up like does this make sense here right right and are you seeing something that i can't see Mm -hmm. and if so maybe that'll help me yeah see what's 
what's really going on here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the piece you're bringing in is really about, you know, are there other lenses or perspectives that I am maybe too much in the weeds of like whatever it is that I'm moving through that I'm not really able to see, right? Like can mm-hmm. bringing in another set of eyes that you can trust um, that does kind of hold by definition, hopefully, uh, if they're responsible uh, practitioners, um, <laughs> this like energy of like really wanting the best for this person, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like maybe from that space of bringing in the different perspectives, um, yeah, seeing something that is not obvious before or is obvious but didn't have a name and in the uh, the obscuration of not having a name then start to feel like a problem maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe um, that's too abstract, but no, I think you to me it, yeah. To me, it feels like getting a diagnosis of sorts mm. where like, yes, a diagnosis is like, oh, they're getting a label and like, that's all they are. But it's like, no, a label will help you cultivate tools. Like maybe mm. you don't have to go through all of the practices or, you know, treatments or whatever Stumbling for some illness. But like, we need to know what we're working with here. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a broken leg giving you the medicine you know it's like i need to give you the appropriate medicine Mm. the right dose the right form like it has to be appropriate Mm -hmm. but if you can't look at it then you're just gonna think like oh why can't i walk straight (laughs) you know right and maybe and maybe you don't need surgery maybe you just need a little bit of subtle um physical therapy or maybe Mm. it's something that you just need to strengthen but it doesn't mean that you cut off your leg Mm -hmm. just because it's not working like Mm -hmm. part of it i think is like in showing up to a reading it's admitting to yourself like oh there's this part of me that i don't fully understand or fully accept but i'm willing to touch into the idea that maybe this part of me is worth accepting yeah 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 i think that's really that's really important to name and i think something that it's what what that's bringing up for me is also this idea of um, neutrality, which is such an interesting word because I mm. think neutrality has a lot of different connotations to it. And I want to be very careful in terms of defining what I mean when I say neutrality because I don't, first of all, I don't think that any of us can be objectively neutral because I don't really know if there's such a thing as objectivity, like in this world in general. Like, mm-hmm. Can, mm-hmm. how can someone be fully, fully objective? Like, that mm-hmm. does not really, I don't know. I don't really think that that's fully possible. And at the same time, you know, something that I really struggled with when I was um, coming into this work, specifically from, you know, my, again, bringing in Deborah Kremens. Um, my teacher, coming into this space of doing readings, it was really hard for me to even understand what neutrality is in the beginning. Like it took me at least like a couple of years to even understand mm-hmm. what she's talking about when she's talking about neutrality. But what I'm learning from her and my studies with her and doing a bunch of readings is that I think neutrality means being aware of your own agenda and your own attachment to like what the outcome needs to be. Mm. 
Because I think sometimes, you know, obviously, each of us have our own lens, right? Our own perspective about what healing looks like based on what our trauma is, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, for, for example, something that's been coming up a lot in different conversations for me is this idea of like, um, how people feel really sad when fractures happen within different communities, like m when maybe, you know, different members of the community don't get along, right? Or maybe like when you're in a friend group and then someone doesn't get along with someone and you kind of get caught in the middle. But I think what's interesting for me in having these conversations is a realization that, you know, what is most empowering for one person can be really disempowering for another person, you know? Like mm. maybe if I come from a perspective of like having experienced separation in my home, you know, whether that's maybe my parents separating or, you know, being separated from a particular land or situation that I really, really enjoyed being in, or maybe like having to leave a particular school that I really enjoyed being at when I was a little kid, then maybe separating feels very, very painful to me. But then for another person who had to stay in situations that don't serve them for a very long time, like maybe staying stuck in a marriage or like in an abusive relationship. It may be the case that for them, leaving is the most empowering thing, you know, mm -hmm. because staying together is not always the best thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that to me, when I'm thinking about neutrality, that's kind of what I'm really thinking about because people can come to our space and we may have a vision of like, what may be the best outcome for them. But I think having a certain level of space and humility to not feel like we have to impose that upon a person and like navigating mm. that with a lot of gentleness is I think part of, um, yeah, part of like holding a reading space with compassion and also responsibility. I don't know. What are your thoughts about that, Mary? Mm. Well, I was also thinking how when you were talking about leaving or separating as like really liberatory in a way, it's kind of mm -hmm. like I'm off on an adventure. You can mm -hmm. either look at these things as an adventure to be excited about mm -hmm. or a treacherous journey that you're scared about. And, <laughs> and sometimes it's both. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't, it's like the beginning of any relationship where you're like, Oh, this is super fun. But also like, Oh God, are we, together now like is this mm. what are we doing you know mm -hmm. totally. um it makes me think so when you were talking about neutrality it made me think about how when I first started going to Kathleen Bowman for energy work she was talking to me about like this um it's so hard I'm like how do I verbalize this basically like have being somebody who has dealt with a lot of anxiety mm. functioning from a place where like I was at this level of anxiety always being there and she's like we just want to kind of like lower you down to like this level where mm. like you'll still be it's not like you're not operating or whatever it's just like we just want to like tune it down a little bit mm -hmm. and I think about how like now the things like when I'm not in these like high stress situations where because of living in a place that's very quiet like at first coming to a place that was very quiet was stressful because mm. when you're functioning at a certain like amount of chaos mm. going down to something that is again like a different definition of neutral but like oh this doesn't have so much 
noise and lights and people, but like that too can be very activating. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's something about being seen with another person in that same way where you're like, oh God, you know, it might not feel comfortable to be across from somebody, but maybe if if you have time afterward, or maybe it's years go by, like I think about how the first astrologer I ever went to in fall of 2019, like I have, I've talked to her one time since then, but there are things that she said that at the time I was like, I just don't want to hear this, you know? Mm. And then actually those are the things that stuck with me. Mm. And so even though it might be seemingly, um, not neutral (laughs) you know like your body is receiving this as a oh god i don't want to hear it i'm coming Uh with that you know big butcher knife again Mm -hmm. but maybe just because you can't like sit with it now or your body's having some reaction to it now it doesn't mean that you can't like fine tune to that level of neutrality for me meaning like oh I can now go in and like think about what this is now that parts of me have shifted to accept this little like tidbit to mull over. Does Mm. that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think you're bringing to the table the idea of like neutrality, not just for the reader, but also for the one receiving. Mm. And I think Mm -hmm. it's it's really interesting because I have to think about this a little bit more. I do feel like for me, I always really kind of place the role of like holding the neutrality towards the reader like i don't really think that the person receiving needs to be neutral in fact i want Mm. them to be kind of really in their feels you know yeah yeah (laughs) which is i guess you know we were talking about the potential of also naming this episode readings and feelings (laughs) (laughs) i think that like no i i found that like when i'm really in my feelings like those tend to be the, the times when it's most helpful to receive that mm-hmm. reading yeah because you're and so that receptive y- yeah but you have so much practice with that i mm. think sometimes feelings come up and people don't know what to do with them and right. i forget like i forget when i'm not hanging out with people like you i'm mm. like oh what are, what's the big deal so you're a little emotional so you're crying in public big whoop mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. we forget yeah. how much this is not just practiced in totally. these spaces of one-on-one But how much the communities we're in, it's so safe to just like, this is just where I'm at today. And that's fine. Like, Mm. even that is radical from from where we came from. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. I think something that's coming up for me, too, is like, I think it it feels very important because I've certainly done this to, to not really use neutrality as like yet another tool for like shaming ourselves, you know, Mm, because mm -hmm. I don't think the point of really understanding our lens and our agenda, implicit agenda is to live without any agenda. I don't think that's possible, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I do think that becoming aware of them and then knowing when it's appropriate to allow them to stay in the space and to kind of move them outside of the space, that to me is like, that's kind of where you're constantly moving, right? Or you're constantly Mm -hmm. cultivating the skills because another thing that I'm curious to hear your thoughts about too, Mary, is this idea of, I've been thinking about how in reading spaces, what's so interesting is because it's such a saturated energetic space, right? You can really... 
I, I think you really move beyond the dogma in in a lot of reading spaces, at least when yeah. it's working out, <laughs> when 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 the um, when the chemistry between the person reading and the person being read is is I think moving in the way that feels nourishing for for both parties. Mm-hmm. There's an opening, um, and I think we start to create ways of being that really are naturally just so far away from that dogmatic place because you start to realize that people's actions, I mean, I I don't want to say that people's actions don't matter because I think they have an impact, right? But that what matters most for the person receiving the reading or being read in that moment is kind of the energy from which that action comes from, you know? Like, let Mm -hmm. me give a very concrete example, right? Like, for one person, maybe posting on Instagram every day to, you know, kind of put themselves out there may feel really, really exciting because they're coming at it from, or, or like maybe they have a lot of fear around being on social media and feeling like if they're on social media, then nobody's going to like them. And in the process of uh, allowing themselves to feel the, the sadness of like failing they actually mm-hmm. expand their failure tolerance right there's there's an energy from which you can come into this with like a lot of excitement for like wanting to wanting to move through a particular state into a different state right maybe you want to mm-hmm. have a different relationship to sharing your work like you want to be enthusiastic about sharing your work but then for another person, it can feel like a should or it can feel like almost like a fawning mechanism of like, mm-hmm. oh, a coach told me I need to be doing this. And I think mm-hmm. like really reading the energy or like feeling into the energy behind why someone wants to do something is kind of the point of the reading. You know, mm-hmm. it's not so much the action because I think the action itself, like it almost doesn't matter, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I think when the energy behind it is correct, you're guided w- through resonance to do the thing that is right for you at that mm-hmm. moment, mm-hmm. you know? But what a lot of people are not always aware of is like, or what can be really hard to tune into is like the energy behind the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, When you use the term failure tolerance, I was mm-hmm. like... So does that just mean resilience? Somewhat, but I think... But yeah, I wanted to know, do you have... What is that? To me, failure tolerance is slightly different than resilience. I feel like resilience maybe has more to do with like... um, Like kind of being strong and not breaking down. At least this is the Jonathan version of it. But I think failure tolerance has to do with like going a step beyond that to understanding that like... If you want to see something working out, this is very Mars and Capricorn, this conversation, by the way. But like, if you really want to see something working out, you do have to move through a lot of embarrassment and you do Mm -hmm. have to move Mm -hmm. through a lot of discomfort, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting, embarrassment, um, it makes me think about like, so for myself with this Instagram example, like I have gone through periods of thinking, oh, I should question mark post more on Instagram. Maybe Mm -hmm. I should be more out there. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I'd rather post from a place of like, this feels really good to do this. And like right now, if somebody really wants to reach me, they know how to find me, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And like, 
not that everybody has to do that because I'm also not necessarily trying to like then maintain any level of um commitment to that Mm -hmm. you know like I don't want to like set a precedence even with myself which I guess also Mars and Capricorn like no if I start going well then I'm gonna have to keep doing it so I just shouldn't start um (laughs) but it does make me think about how um how whenever you put yourself out there uh really you should be thinking about if there's any shoulds it's it's more about like you said with this uh was it agenda and what was the other thing with neutrality it was like your own agenda with oh your own lens or perspective yeah and lens Mm -hmm. it's like well why am i posting anything or why am i in relationship you know Mm -hmm. like to bring it back to this thing that you and i are doing is like why are we even doing this? It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, because I'm just really curious about what happens when we start talking. And I <laughs> like how I feel when I'm with this person. Yeah, totally. And like that is also enough of an agenda. Mm. But I also think maybe, maybe in a way, what do you think about this? Maybe in a way, us doing this podcast is sort of like offering a reading to the unknown receiver. <laughs> It's like, here, have this. We're just going to give it out there. And if you want to listen to us, cool. But like, at what point will we like, will we, I don't know, want to try to be more visible in this? Or Mm. we're just like, I don't know. I'm just doing like, partly I'm doing this because it's fun. And maybe it would be fun to find more people who want to listen to it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe this is just the project of like vocalizing a thing with another person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really, really interesting. It makes me think about, you know, and this is slightly, I think, maybe moving away from talking about readings, but it's making me think about, um, like, what ingredients are necessary, you know, for like a certain project or like what structures are necessary for certain projects to be visible. And I do think with visibility comes responsibility and i think it feels really important to my mars and capricorn to not take on any more responsibility than you have capacity for which you know Uh kind of going back to what you were sharing about instagram to me i do think that like i don't know i i do think that every single time i do a reading i just always am so grateful and like filled with so much awe and wonder that like people even entrust their stories to me you know, to be there with me. And so I feel like, I don't know, like I, uh, my sacred duty is then to really kind of check in with myself and feel into like, what do I have capacity for? You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think to really like show up, it's, it's also interesting thinking about like, what is the mechanism, right? Through which people come to, to you for readings or people find your work, because that's going to also really impact the reading space and impact the kind of things that people want to talk to you about. You know, Mm -hmm. like recently I started talking about my experience uh, having been bullied um, in middle school, which I don't think I've ever really, I've never really hidden that part of my story, but I don't think I was so like out there openly talking about it. Yeah. Or it feels like the energy with it. You're like, that's a fact. I can state a fact, but I'm not Mm going to like 
energetically fully expose in that way i think whenever whenever that's my experience in talking to you about it yeah right like it's just more like oh that that was a thing right but i think i'm kind of now coming to a place where i'm like oh yeah you know that really um in some ways that really hurt me but it also taught me a lot about working with projections actually so mm. i think in some ways I'm not saying that I'm a hundred percent there, but I think it's made me a lot more um, skilled at working with different projections that people might project onto me, compared to someone who didn't have to work through something so traumatic at such a young age, you know. Mm-hmm. And what I'm noticing, Mary, is that there are more people coming to my reading space talking about that. Actually, mm-hmm. like people want to talk about like having been bullied, and I'm like, yeah, you know. And and I think a lot of it comes to do comes with like. The more emotionally available you make yourself to working around certain topics, I think the more people kind of can sense that and can sense that it is safe to come to you about that. And I think where I see my responsibility as like a person doing this kind of work is to really continue to gauge how ready am I actually to talk about that. You know, because mm-hmm. I don't want to advertise that I am more ready than I actually am. You mm-hmm. know, because that's not going to do anyone any good. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts about that? Yeah, yeah. Or what's coming up for you? Me, well, okay. So a couple things that I was thinking about is how you would then have Libra in your second house, mm-hmm. and I really like to think about the fact that you then have this like innate resource available of like I can see the f- the fairness and the harmony that are there if you if you choose that and kind of I, to go back to the example of like when we would talk to our parents when we were younger where you're like oh well I can see that they also have their own things going on mm. and so it's like that's such a strength and a gift that you came here with to have that like Libra quality to to like look at things with other perspectives Mm. and and i think when when people are caught in that place of yeah what you were saying with the projections or any of that it's like they they don't even know what they're working with and like even though at the time i'm sure it was very painful um you had this like thing in you that was like well i can see beyond this even though my circumstances right now are shit (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um yeah. and it also it was making me think about something else you were saying about uh oh with like readings and what you're known for and how people come to you. Yeah, I think it also just speaks to the wisdom you have to cultivate in that showing up repeatedly where you're like, you know, maybe I am willing to share a little bit more or maybe I don't have to, but like, I think this whole thing brings up the idea that every time you give a reading, it's also giving a reading for you to to mm. think about later. Like, what's the advice that I gave this person? Like, hmm, what advice should I be taking my own self? You know, <laughs> like every time that you, when, when I get done with the reading, I'm like, ah, oh, so that's what, what, like what Mercury, like mm-hmm. that's Mercury came through and wanted to say this, hmm, you know? And like, as you very mercurial person, it makes me wonder about, um, 
yeah, like those themes that like, yeah, maybe you're not going to be Jonathan Coe, bullying expert. <laughs> but there is like some some potential for Jonathan Coe person who responds to the present moment because that's mm -hmm. to me when I think about getting a reading with you that's that's what I go for and yeah. so it already says that you've cultivated that mm -hmm. it doesn't mean those specific outward circumstances of being in a human body are going to be what you're known for I think it is like that underlying energetic uh space that you mm -hmm. cultivate over mm -hmm. time yeah 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 this is really interesting Mary because I feel like Sometimes when we, I don't know, I mean, I've never, you know, granted this is all for entertainment purposes only. I never really had a psychology degree, but I think something that I've perceived in a lot of conversations around, you know, doing therapy is like how, um, like having too many things in common with the therapist in terms of the the pain that you're moving through can mm. be perceived as like a negative thing. You know, it's like you shouldn't, you should try to find a therapist who's maybe a little bit more removed from like having similar experiences as you or, you know, according to certain schools of thought. But I think what's interesting about reading spaces too is that often people try to find readers that um, they feel can resonate with their experience or can sympathize mm -hmm. with their experience in mm -hmm. some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, if if I'm showing this part of myself, I want to know that this person can handle it, too. Mm -hmm. Totally. Because if they are in a space of some level of authority, you know, to be the person I am seeking help from, then, yeah, I... I Sometimes it doesn't come up like if when I when we talk about church stuff, like, yes, we grew up in completely different experiences, countries, cultures, whatever. Mm -hmm. But like mm -hmm. all I have to say is like something about that. And I just don't have to explain all mm -hmm. of it. You're like, mm -hmm. you get it. And I mm -hmm. think that's also a big part of why seeking out somebody who has a similar experience is like, I just don't have to explain the ins and outs of all of the things, totally. you know, totally. Totally. It saves so much time, and my Mercury and Capricorn loves that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. I'm curious to hear. You know, recently you've been doing a lot more readings for people who you know that maybe you didn't know personally. Um, I'm curious how that experience has been like for you, Mary, and what maybe you've been learning about that experience. Mm. Yeah, well, I I feel like I still know them on some level. Like we're in a big class together uh, but it is a funny um i think there's something that's really nice about it it gives you this uh experience to like really get to know somebody quickly mm. because it's like that feeling of going to camp where at the end of the week you're like what was my life before this person that i met and like no, it doesn't mean we're going to be best friends, but I feel like now when I see these people, I'll have a different experience of just like appreciating them for who they are because I've gotten to see this depth to them that wasn't mm -hmm. visible. Mm -hmm. And to go back to what you were saying about like the gratitude for people entrusting you with their stories, it's like there is such a reverence that we can come to these readings with 
that I don't, yeah, I don't take it lightly. It's very Mm -hmm. special to get to know people in that way. And often people are just like so ready to get into it that that feels so, um, hmm, it feels really affirming of why I even want to be doing more readings because Mm -hmm. some like well and I said this to you earlier just the feeling of like oh I have to do this thing and then as soon as you leave you're like what was I that was so fun I'm so glad I did that thing and yeah it's like the more that we practice that it's the same as like building that um tolerance even Mm. though this is like hopefully not a failure tolerance but just like a showing up tolerance yeah that you're like oh i actually don't feel drained because i Mm. think also you and i like in our lives have been a person where a lot of people will come to you and be like this is what's going on with me and you're like okay Mm. i care about you but like at a certain point like i can't do anything for you but i feel this stuff and i don't know how to how to detach from that yes and (laughs) and so yeah it's so refreshing to just be with people who are like thank you so much and then the Mm. case is closed our (laughs) our call is over and i can just be like dust my shoulders off not my problem anymore right and that doesn't mean that i don't care or even that i forget about that person Mm. it just means that like having a distinct contract feels so nice because Mm -hmm. in our normal day-to-day we don't always have that or if we do we're not often reevaluating it totally and like reconciling like you know i want to believe in the generosity and the reciprocity of these relationships but when it's there's nothing nicer than just being like we are meeting for an hour maybe Mm. we go a little bit over and then Mm -hmm. You can like give it your all and then be ready to just like close it and step away. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I love that you're bringing that up because I've been thinking about kind of the contrast of, you know, doing one-off readings versus working with someone on a longer-term basis. I do think that on a longer-term basis, like it is always really helpful to kind of create mechanisms around which you can continue to... uh like revise that contract or like have mm-hmm. conversations or have, you know, communication opportunities where you can just kind of share how you might want to update that. Because I think that it's very um, challenging to to be growing as a person, but then not be growing in your relationships. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's where people can feel really stuck. And I think um, ultimately like, a longer term relationship even between a reader and a person being read i think ultimately still kind of needs to needs to kind of be reset and it's really interesting mm-hmm. because like for example there are, there are teachers and readers that i've come to over the years and what i've experienced as kind of you know maybe where i feel the most safe is like where this person is constantly clearing this the cash you know <laughs> like in in a in a way that you know sometimes can feel a little jarring of like them asking me and i'm like didn't we talk about this last time but like they actually just like emptied that vessel you know because they mm-hmm. show up like truly in this moment without mm-hmm. and i think this is really interesting right because it's kind of bringing me to this um something that i've been thinking a lot about mary is like 
the importance of holding the past lightly is mm, something yeah, that I've been, I wanted to bring. Yes, I'm glad yeah, you brought this up. Yes. Yeah. What does that What does that bring up for you? I know that we've been having conversations about this, but I'm curious. It's been a while since we were talking about this and wondering how this has been kind of. Yeah. What have you been thinking about it since last time we spoke about it? Mm, I think, of course, we don't want to forget everything about mm-hmm. the past. Mm-hmm. But what what feels most present is actually how these physical bodies that we have, um, as much as it's amazing, we instantly connect on like a spirit level to just be like communicating through the air in this mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. We can't fully forget the bodies that we came here with. So yeah. like even if my spirit is showing up in the present, my body has information that it's like, hey, wait, don't forget about this thing that happened because, you know, last time you brought up bullying, it didn't go well. Or like <laughs> last time you did that thing, you know, don't do it. Yeah. And so like I'm thinking about how um, most of the time, I don't know, maybe I have much more perceptive friends these days or maybe it's just my personality. I don't think that people always know like the internal struggles that somebody else is having in Mm. that present moment. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh, they might just look like they're just nodding along and whatever, but you can't know what past is also in the moment with them or future for that matter. The other timelines, we'll just say that, (laughs) you know, we have no idea what those other timelines are Mm. and how, um, how you really have to like, presence that or you don't have to I guess it's just like a helpful thing that sometimes I can't forget this nagging thing that's coming up and maybe I can't even label it maybe I don't know that this like stiffness in my neck is because of some other thing Mm. but but when I am noticing it enough to just be like hey I'm just letting you know I'm feeling a little anxious today or whatever the thing is Mm. or like for you and me we've had this conversation about like maybe we should just wait until we can talk in the same timeline like in the present moment because if we're meeting each other out of time we're not it doesn't mean that we like can't be informed by that but I think as a as a person in conversation you have to remember that another person it, uh, this is feeling so like are we ever talking about the same thing <laughs> moment because you just don't know you know mm-hmm. god my brain mm-hmm. i think so i i love that you're bringing that point up again mary because to me a lot of it has to do with discernment mm-hmm. and Again, like coming back to even as the person sharing, like what is my intention in sharing? I mean, this is something that I've mm-hmm. been doing in a lot of my reading spaces, like becoming really, really like helping the person who comes to the reading be very clear about what it is that they're wanting. And it's not coming from the space of like people pleasing, but it's truly mm-hmm. coming from a space mm-hmm. of like, I want to attune to you. Mm -hmm. So let's get clear about what it is that I need to be attuning to, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. something I've noticed, for example, as a pattern in doing a bunch of readings in the past few years is that some people came because they just want to hear me talk about their chart. Mm -hmm. 
They basically just mm. want like a 90-minute podcast conversation. And I think for me as an astrologer, I'm going to put this thought to the side. So like that's one type of person, right? And then another mm -hmm. type of person wants to hear themselves. They really just mm -hmm. want to hear mm -hmm. themselves talk. And intermittently, I can give some redirection, like gentle, you know, perspective or kind of, uh, uh, you know, guiding, right? Guiding mm -hmm. them to understand where it is that they want to go. And mm -hmm. then there's the other type of person who is much more like kind of in the middle. Or maybe, you know, some, sometimes I've also seen people actually needing to make certain changes, that are very present in their life and they're really bothered by something. Like there's something really mm. triggering them in this very moment that they need help with and they need a different perspective or they need a tool or something like that. And so what I've realized over the you know many readings I've done is that it's my job to understand which type of reading are we doing right now, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think also as a practitioner, I take it upon my own you know, part of being a nerd about these things is like cultivating for me a lot of different skills and a lot of different ways of being so that I can mm -hmm. meet the person in the moment that they need. Because the mm -hmm. person coming to me, they may not even realize what they need at that moment, mm -hmm. you know? And my job, literally, as a reader, is to show up there and like feel into it with them, right? Yeah. And, and, and provide the right tools and the right environment for what they need at the moment, according to yeah. what they say and not just make an assumption, yeah. And I think sometimes we can, in the getting clear about what we're doing here, or even what kind of person is showing up across from me, or not, not that they're, maybe that's just that day that they're in, mm. is like, my awareness of that, even if I'm inaccurate about like, whatever the real thing that's going on, it's like, it's also showing up and surrendering to like the mystery around that because there's sometimes this thing that will happen where it's like I don't know why I'm bringing this up but I'm just gonna tell you you know like because as much as we want to know like why am I telling this person this thing or why am I drawn to this part of their chart it's like you can't really know either and so you're just sort of like let go and let God, as yeah. they say. Yeah, or, you know, you can also think about it, you know, another way that I've heard people talk about it kind of in the uh, hypnosis world is that their subconscious is talking to your subconscious, right? So you don't mm, reject yeah, anything. And like, mm -hmm. Well, and it just seems so like funny and cute at times that like all of this outside chatter mm. might have nothing to do with any of it, but like at the very least, my body is showing up across from your body yeah. and they're having this thing going on that the surface level can't even comprehend. Mm -hmm. And so we think it's about these other things, but yeah. really it's cute. Yeah. Yeah. It really um, is. Jonathan, I'm noticing what time it is and I didn't know if we were going to Capricorn exit. Like, what do we do these days? <laughs> I guess I'm curious, you know, as we're maybe <laughs> wrapping up this conversation, what are some of your final thoughts about readings and feelings mary mm, final thoughts final thoughts are that maybe we're in more reading spaces than we realize like readings are not just when i pay a person for their mm. hour or two to sit across from me mm. i think readings can be cultivated in most relationships when you both are aware <laughs> 
or maybe when you're not aware but i mm. think uh ideally you both would be yeah um there's something about how it just happens when you're really present with people and mm. i I know maybe it's because I'm friends with so many people who are readers, but I can tell when you're like in that moment, but mm. it's not like a a drain on the person. It's like a generosity from that yeah. person. Like earlier, you doing that meditation for me felt like that where I'm mm. like, well, you can say no and that's totally cool. Mm. But also I think you doing that helped us have a really nice settled groove to this conversation. I love that. Yeah. What about you? I think what's coming up for me is also, you know, for maybe for our folks listening who are readers, I have had to really cultivate the skills of like actually also turning on that or turning off that reading uh, mm. lens mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you also can't presume that everybody in your life wants a reading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? You don't want my free advice? You're welcome. People pay good money for this. I know. I know. And and I think I've kind of, kind of, I don't know, I've kind of come full circle around that because I think there was a period where I really needed to affirm how I feel about what a kick-ass reader I am. Mm. And I think that a part of me, you know, have also these relationships in my quote-unquote real life right where like these people never wanted readings from me they are not interested in getting this kinds of readings right so um but it doesn't mean that the relationship is not really valuable and it's not really meaningful and so something that i've taken outside of my reading spaces to my my real life relating is actually getting again like being really skilled or or giving myself permission to uh, exercise skillfulness around asking people what they're needing at the moment. Yeah. And also while meanwhile checking in with myself around what am I available to give at this moment, right? Mm -hmm. And you know what is interesting is that a lot of people, especially if you are a reader and you're surrounded in your own personal life by people who are not readers or who are not interested in getting readings, chances are they are not actually interested, you know? And it's not personal, (laughs) right? It has nothing to do with you. So Mm -hmm. I've been like trying to be more aware of that and really remembering that everybody is, like everybody has their own sovereignty, you know? And everybody's Mm. entitled to that sovereignty. The dignity of um, giving people the chance to not want to partake in something or not want to go deep with you around something and not have you psychically look at their problems is something that we need to, it's like a grace that you need to extend to the people in your life Mm. because not everybody, Mm -hmm. I think it's so easy when we're surrounded by people who are really into what we are doing to feel like, what? How can you not want this? You know, but like sometimes people don't and sometimes people don't have the capacity and you can't force it onto people. And it that also is making me think about how like even within our group of friends, not everybody wants those problems brought up in every context. Yeah. You know, not that we would necessarily <laughs> do that, but it's just kind of like read the room. You I know, know. Like, it's like chill the like, fuck out. <laughs> yeah, like maybe I don't want to be reminded about my church life all mm-hmm. the time. You know, yeah. or yeah. or at the same time. Um, 
Yeah, I think there's something like you were saying about the people who don't want readings, like letting that be their experience. It's like when we're so used to being the one to like hold the space, it's also like, oh, I'm not responsible right now. How liberating is that? Like, I don't actually have to do this. There's a place for me where I am responsible. Mm -hmm. And that's not right now. Mm -hmm. It's not right now. It's not right now. And I think, I guess the skill that I've uh, grafted from my reading spaces onto my real life conversations with people is like um, allowing myself to relax in these conversations and asking people like, what do you need? What do you need from me right now? Is there anything that Mm. you're needing from me right now? Do you need advice? Do you need my perspective? Or do you need my do you need me to just listen to you you know and i think mm-hmm. also giving people that option you know or something else right like yeah. giving people or that option do you just do you just want space maybe we don't even need to interact at all yeah i like feel maybe, like is a very valid uh absolutely. addition to the list <laughs> absolutely and i think that i think that um something i will say is that i've learned to not frame that as like would you mind if i share something that comes up for me of course, people are gonna say I don't mind because you don't want to. You don't want to look like a dick, you know. <laughs> you don't want to be like, no, shut the fuck up, bitch. Like, no, like people well, are not gonna. Some people maybe may. they should, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, Actually, I think most no, people want to be nice. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But also, um, I think this does speak to so much of like our day-to-day relationships that are not so in this magical realm Mm -hmm. (laughs) where you're like oh i don't i can actually just enjoy talking about the normal things Mm -hmm. we don't have to be so intense all the time totally totally although i don't know i mean with my magical friends i feel like that's where the fun is and well that's fun yeah let's (laughs) let's go there for sure (laughs) um Mm. jonathan i have another thing i want to bring up before we close this out yeah go for it um we should plug first of all rating us because what did what was it that you said a while back i believe it was if you're not going to give us five stars then fuck you You can you can uh, kindly fuck off. That was kindly fuck off. Yes. Yeah, but kindly fuck yes, off. Yes, please review our podcast if you have been enjoying our conversation. Um, I think that the only place where you can leave reviews right now is Apple Podcast. So if you just go on Apple Podcast and leave us a review, it doesn't have to be long, but I always find it very helpful in getting our conversations out there. Um, yeah and if there's no you know you can also just give us five stars Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and people can email us we have an email address that if you have things you want to hear us just go on about hit us up or yeah yeah, i don't know any other conversations we're we're open to receiving yeah and you can also find us separately as well we're both on instagram all of the links will be in the show notes so yeah Jonathan this was uh, a delight as usual a delight as usual Mary and I feel like this was very much like the meeting of your Capricorn ninth house and my Taurus ninth house so Mm -hmm. thank you for doing this conversation with me yeah Yeah, thank you 